Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. You're listening to Transformers Chronicles. And this is Starscream. And Megatron has gone to the bathroom. So I am the ruler of the Decepticons. <laughs> All right, guys, listen to TF Chronicles. It's awesome. Previously on Transformers Chronicles. Which is why I'm really tempted to always pronounce his last name as Cooley, because I know he's from the British Isles, and it seems far more likely that it would be pronounced like Koo instead of Chud, but I'm probably wrong. I don't know. I just really? his name. Yeah, because Gaelic is a weird language, and some of those last names are still based on things like that. And, and I know Koo in Gaelic means black, and I don't remember how it's spelled, but... Uh, are you Brit-splaining Ivan's name to him? <laughs> no, not to him, to you guys. No. You call him somebody once. I'm just saying. Was Maggie right, or will she have to live the rest of her life in shame? I never even said it was pronounced Cooley. I said I kept wanting to pronounce it Cooley. We'll find out as we brought Maggie back to face the music. I'm back because I wanted to finish the Ratchet story and because I like the Dinobots. It's got nothing to do with the proper way to pronounce Chudley. Well, the only way you'll find out whether or not there are Dinobots in this issue, or the proper way to pronounce Chudley is Chudley, is by tuning in for the rest of the episode. Uh, you, you two just spoiled your own thing. You had two things to not spoil, and then you spoiled both of them. Pat's going to be so mad. I think I finally got it. Till all coolies are Chudley. <sighs> right? Find out if Ratchet and the Dinobots can defeat Megatron tonight on Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. <laughs> Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. In case you're new to the show, welcome, and let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride learning about the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. Our prime focus is on the U.S. version of the comics, but we will dive occasionally into the Marvel UK comics from time to time. In either case, this podcast is absolutely guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. But I'm not alone on this crusade. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade, the novice of the Transformers world, the seeker of the matrix of knowledge, and we have absolutely been forgetting to include his code name of the International Man of Mystery, DJ Christatos, Pat Sampson. Pat, tell us about your life since last episode. Oh, well, my life has kind of transformed a little bit. I was uh, able to transform and fly out to Atlanta. Then from there, I transformed into an auto bot. Oh, my goodness. And, and carpooled with Jarrett, the yard sale artist. And we wound up at your home for Heroes Con in mm. Charlotte. Wait, you're at my house? I was. Well, maybe I'm still there, too. Oh, man. You never I'm know. Check the closets. I'm right behind you. <laughs> Well, that sounds pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about the Comic-Con, just a few words. It was great. It was a good time. We got to see fellow podcasters, lots of friends, and uh, several people had also mentioned how much they liked listening to Transformer Chronicles. Really? Yeah. Well, dang. Well, that's nice. Thank you to those people. We're going to move on. We have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of Marigold Comics, the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Hames. John. Please tell us about your life and how it's transformed since we last talked. Well, 
I am a little disappointed that you aren't using my secret code name either. What's your secret code name? No, I can't tell you that. It's secret. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can think of a couple. I fell for that bit. That's, <laughs> that's one of the oldest ones in the book. I know. Very well done. That's the level of quality humor we bring here to Transformers Chronicles and Marvel Reviews. <laughs> Mainly, the transformative event has been centered around moving into this new apartment and getting everything set up. And it's been, well, we got it done and we're finally kind of all the way recovered from it. We've even started recording again for our show, Married with Comics and The Rod Pod also. So good times. That's awesome. I, I wanted to ask a question um, as a follow up from last episode. Um, were you able to get Omega Supreme to help you move? We were not. Mm. We did, however, get O <laughs> and Frenzy, which yeah. wound up being way more trouble than it was worth. O just kind of drank all our beer. Shortchanged us on soda. Frenzy stole <laughs> half our stuff. Mm. That O, he's the worst. But Delvin, uh, how about you? What's your big transformative event for the month? Pat already spoiled it and talked about uh, the uh, Comic-Con, which was a good event. But uh, the following week, I decided that I had not had enough people in my house and uh, my brother and his family came to visit as well. So uh, I had probably more people in the house in the last two weeks than I've had in the house all year. So that was a heck of an effort. And I think the home is mostly recovered from it, whether I am or not is uh, immaterial. <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. That's that is my life. But last but certainly not least, we have brought back the lovely, the greater half, and lest we not forget, effervescent Maggie <laughs> Schaefer-Hames to finish out the run that we're covering. Maggie, talk to us about yourself since the last podcast. Ooh, well, kind of like John said, it is nice to be back to doing something that's fun rather than just hauling furniture up and down stairs all day long. I think actually part of that did help me win uh, the Biggest Loser Challenge at work. That's right. Mm -hmm. I did oh, do that. I won seventy five bucks. Oh, way to go! <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is it too much uh, to ask to share how how much did you lose for the biggest? Um, probably it was I think around five pounds. Okay. Was, yeah, we did like a six week thing. Good well, job. Con congratulations! Thank you. Absolutely. So we have good news all around. We've had people coming to Comic Cons. We've had Pat transforming. We've had you guys moving into your nice new apartment, and now. It's time to talk some Transformers, which we are going to do right after this promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now.
the Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers, issue number eight. Here is John with the cover description. Hey, thanks, Devin. We have the classic Marvel banner with a great picture of Optimus Prime posing with his laser rifle, just like last issue. And at the top of the cover are the words more than meets the eye, as usual, with the classic The Transformers logo in white letters with yellow trim. The main cover is about as simple as they come, with three of the Dinobots in dinosaur mode. Sludge, Grimlock, and Slag from left to right, if you're looking directly at the cover. Standing on a mountain, Cliff's Ledge, colored in green, with a caption below them reading, And now, the Dinobots. Folks in the UK got to read this in issues 27 and 28. 27 was the issue in which it went from bi-weekly to weekly. Wow. According to the cover itself, has a picture of Shockwave transforming into his space laser mode with the standard transformation effect that we see where you see him partially transforming along the way. There is also an ad for the Cadbury's Wildlife Bar, which gives you a free project book token. Also, according to this, you get a free giant Transformers poster. The second one is a reprint of the uh, U.S. issue 8. So it's split between the two. UK issue 27 was by Robin Smith, who does uh, the vast majority of the new ones, at least so far. All right, let's find out what we think about this thing. Let's start with our guest. Maggie, what did you think of this cover? I always like a cover that when I look at it, I say, yay, Dinobots. (laughs) So I was pretty pleased with this cover myself, especially with Grimlock front and center. It is kind of a shame that it's only the three of them because there are five. But it's a cover that I like. I much prefer it to the last cover, which I didn't much care for at all. This one, while it is rather simple, I find it to be quite effective, and I'm happy to be reading an issue about the Dinobots. Uh, Delvin, what did you think? I thought it was a good enough cover. Uh, I wouldn't have minded seeing all five. Uh, I think if I had to pick which Dinobot I thought looked the best, I'd probably say I like Slag uh, the best, even though in general I like Grimlock. I think Grimlock is pretty cool. They just went very uh, simplistic as far as the drawing. I would love to see this like remade with some of the modern day artists and see what they would do on a cover like this. Not saying this one's bad, just saying that I think they stripped it down probably intentionally just so they can get it out and everyone can say, yay, Dinobots. So, Pat, what do you think? Yay, Dinobots. I like the Dinobots as well, too, but I think I see what you're saying there, Delvin, is kind of stripped down a little bit is on the Dinobots themselves, detailing isn't really high electronical kind of detailing, techie kind of detail that you would normally see on these that they could be. So I would be interested in to see a little more detail like that in these three characters. But, you know, like I think this reminds me of the cartoon when you see them. These were the first three to show up on the cartoon. It brings back a little nostalgia for me as well with that. Back in the day, were more people happy to see the Dinobots come into the play and the series? Uh, I know I certainly was. Uh, the Dinobots had been available. They'd been out as toys for quite a while up to this and had been on the cartoon. 
I was really looking forward to this issue and getting to see this back at the time was really great. So any rating that I make on this eventually is going to be very much affected by nostalgia goggles. And I think, too, this is probably a cover a lot of people remember, too, just because it's mm-hmm. the first appearance of the Dinobots. I like this cover. I, I like the shadow effect behind Grimlock. That's kind of neat. I, I get what you're saying about the simplistic nature. Slag is definitely the most detailed of them. Yeah. Which is cool, but I like the way it's set up. You can really, it's got a lot of action implied with it that these guys are going to show up and they are going to kick. They mean business. Yeah, there sure are. Well, (laughs) we'll get to that. (laughs) But for now, let's rate the cover. Uh, For those of you who are new to the show, we here at Transformer Chronicles rate stuff on a scale of one to 10, just like the tech specs of the Transformers toys. One being the lowest, 10 being the highest. So let's start with Maggie. Maggie, what do you think? What do you want to rate the cover? I'm going to rate this cover an eight. I take away one point because it doesn't have all five of them. And then that kind of dovetails into the second point I take away because then it should have had a little more detail, I feel. But I still really like the cover and I do like the artwork on the cover. So I definitely give it a solid eight. Sweet. Pat, what do you think? I'm with Maggie. I'm giving it an eight. A lot of it is for that nostalgic feel. Looks like nostalgia is ruling the day so far. Nothing wrong with that, John. What do you think? Nostalgia bumps my rating to an eight. I probably, if <laughs> if not for that, it probably would have been a six or a seven. But it's always going to be a cover I think of and remember, and I can't help but smile a little bit every time I see it. And I'm with you guys. I'm going to go just a little bit lower with a seven because you see it and it's like, the Dinobots do kind of sell themselves because they are cool. And I remember the toys and I remember liking the Dinobots as a team, particularly because a lot of times the separate Transformers teams, they usually combine to form something like we are going to be seeing in the near future. I won't spoil it, Pat, but the Dinobots aren't like that. They are five separate entities with each of their distinct personalities, they don't combine to some crazy robot or whatever. They're just some kick butt warriors. And mm-hmm. I, I like that. So that's cool. Here is Pat with the credits for the issue. The title is we're going to be going over is Transformers number eight, published by Marvel. Got a cover date of September 1985, but its on sale date was June 18th, 1985. So a good summer release here. Cover price was just 75 cents. Editor is James C. Owley, uh, also known as Christopher Priest. we got another thing coming. Title is Repeat Performance. Writer is Bob Budiansky. Penciler, William Johnson. Inker, Kyle Baker. Letterer, Rick L. Parker. Colorist, Nelson Yamtov. And the cover was uh, penciled by Mark D. Bright and Inker, Kyle Baker. All thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.net. Looks like Mark Bright uh, brings up another cover that everyone seems to like or favor a lot. Of course, he, he's known for that Shockwave cover, right? That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back with this one that I, I'm, I'm betting he rushed it just a bit, just a small bit. I and, would not be surprised. And if he would have done the detail that he did on Shockwave, oh, he would have yeah. had another masterpiece. This is This is a great cover. But I'm thinking it could have been just a bit better, says the person who's never drawn anything other than stick figures <laughs> and really terrible cars. <laughs> I, I'm going to check. I'm gonna, I want to say that there's an IDW cover that's a tribute to this one. 
they do a lot of tributes of the the older ones, and this seems like one that they would have done. So well, I'd, I'd love for you to show it. Like, I mean, even if you yeah, just share it on, on on Twitter for everybody to see, that'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the cover you're referring to the Are All Dead cover? Yes. Is that also him? Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that was one of the easiest tens you'll ever see everyone <laughs> give. Yeah, they, did, they tribute that in the IDW books. They do. Right before Dark Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get our own version of that one too. But yeah, no, that that was a great cover. Nice. So I guess it's my turn to read the synopsis. So here we go. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the Ratchet arrives by shuttle in the Savage Land and uses his MARB, Mobile Autobot Repair Bay, to traverse the landscape and search for the missing Dinobots. After a humorous encounter with a local snake, Ratchet arrives at a tar pit where he detects Cybertronian lifeforms below. After some hefty digging, Ratchet unearths Slag. Using a memory probe, Ratchet views a video of the fight between Shockwave and the Dinobots four million years ago in which all parties are buried and deactivated. Slag becomes conscious during this and moves to attack Ratchet, but the medic's Autobot symbol convinces the Dinobot that they are on the same side. Back at the Ark, Shockwave arrives to check on Megatron and is pleased to find that Megatron has obeyed his orders, prepared Optimus Prime's head for transport. At the aerospace plant, taken over by Soundwave last issue, Tony St- <clears throat> I mean GB Blackrock, is being asked by a reporter the question we've all been wondering, why are these robots picking on him? As he tries to spin an answer in a good PR, Shockwave ruins this by arriving and effortlessly defeating the army surrounding the plant. Inside, he prepares to use Optimus' creation matrix to begin creating his Decepticon army. Back at the Ark, Megatron receives a message from Ratchet which contains a video the Dinobot seemingly defeating Shockwave. Ratchet arranges to meet Megatron in the nearby mountains. Once he arrives, Megatron immediately mocks Ratchet and threatens to kill him, saying a true warrior finds a way to fight his enemy, not trust him. At this, the Dinobots burst out of the snow, where they had been hiding awaiting exactly this sort of betrayal, an attack. But Megatron is too powerful, even for the combined might of the Dinobots, and defeats them easily. Ratchet throws himself against Megatron in a last-ditch effort to sacrifice himself and take the two of them off a cliff, but bounces off of him and Megatron still stands. However, the effort causes the ground beneath Megatron to collapse, sending him tumbling over the edge and falling hundreds of feet below. Megatron transforms into his gun mode in an attempt to better survive the blow and is buried under tons of earth and snow. The way to the Ark and the captured Autobots is clear. Elsewhere, Josie Bella reveals what she's been working on in her hospital room as her circuited hand destroys her hospital TV. Josie muses that it may be time for her to check out of here. So let's talk about the book. We do a good bad format where we let each person from the show bring up something good or bad from the comic and everyone discusses. So Maggie, you're up. Okay. All right. One of the things that I really like about this particular issue were the Dinobots. In this iteration, they speak in complete sentences, which they don't always do. 
And while I do always, every time I see Grimlock, go me, Grimlock. <laughs> like how you always go moo when you drive past a cow. I do that with Grimlock. <laughs> but what I'm wondering is, so their origin story in the comic is different from the cartoon. And this one, they were just Autobot dudes who then needed Earth alt modes. So the arc made them dinosaurs, right? Because it was kind of on the fritz having them crash. So my question is, because their names so very nicely fit their dino forms, what then were they before? Like, what are their Cybertronian alt modes that would be named Swoop and Slag and Grimlock? I'm just wondering, asking for a friend. That is a very That's good, a good question. question. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not to get too far off the reservation, but I know the IDW books have to deal with that very question when they're doing an, an earlier story in the Monstrosity series. Really? And the Dinobots are in that, and that's before anybody came to Earth. Okay. And they have rather monstrous forms. They are no, they're called Dinobots, but it's D-Y-N-O-B-O-T-S. They're their okay. own groups. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that was invented for that. All right. So that's cool. But... It is a funny little retcon because we find out in four, which, you know, did seem like a tacked on bit where we find out, yeah, the Dinobots, the Ark woke these guys up and sent them down there. At no point in the previous four issues had anybody said, man, I really wish Grimlock was here. We could totally use him. Right <laughs> right. No Nobody kidding. mentions them at all. And then it's or wouldn't it be great if we had that one of us who can fly around? Yeah. <laughs> You, yeah, right, that's what I mean. Like, if, if his name was already Swoop, then I am led to believe that back on Cybertron, he was some kind of flying Autobot, which is cool because not a lot of the Autobots fly. But right, Especially at this stage. We'll never know. Nope. Well, I'm glad that John was here because my answer was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Look, I don't buy myself the expert for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would have been like, yeah, uh, d don't don't worry about it. Moving on, moving on. John, you're up. Well, I'll start with a simple one. On the first page, uh, you have Jim Owlsley slash Christopher Priest's editorial note I like. First, he reminds us that this is the Savage Land, which I will never not think is the greatest thing ever, is that the Savage Land is canonically responsible for the Dinobots having dinosaur alt modes. Agreed. Very Which cool. is pretty great. But he also points out that the events in the story precede Avengers 257, which is an important distinction because in Avengers 257, that's where Terminus showed up and destroyed all of the machinery that keeps the Savage Land a jungle paradise. And it actually froze over for about 10 years worth of oh, real time. Wow. All right. Well, that that was one oh. of my, that was going to be my question is like, what happened in Avengers 257? Yeah, that was going to be my question. Well, hey, I, <laughs> way to go, wise guy. Hooray. <laughs> I had read that Avengers at the time, so I really oh. liked that. It was a, a neat little click. This was the beginning of my starting to collect comic books phase. Okay. So it was, I had always seen those editorial notes in various things, but this was the first one that reminded me of something I already knew, and I thought it was pretty special. Yeah, so, I didn't know that. When, when I saw they specifically called out uh, Avengers 257, I was like, what happened in Avengers 257? And now I know. Which is half the battle, as we know. But not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. <laughs> now this one. Bad. Do you have a good or bad? I do have a good. And it has to deal with the way the comic is laid out. When you look at the comic and start reading through it, when Ratchet or when the Dinobots start talking about what was happening in the past or remembering something, the boxes, the panels, they go to a circular mode 
corners are more rounded than when in the normal story they're all squared off. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of a cool artistic style to do. Oh, I see. Yeah, I never noticed that. Yeah. You'd have to really be looking at it. Yeah, I, I started reading through it and I noticed that. Like, oh, that's only during the parts that they're recapping. Good catch, Pat. Good yeah, job, I thought man. that I thought that was kind of interesting in how they did that. Pat's always catching stuff like that. <laughs> I well, that eye for it. which I love because I've read this comic dozens of times easily, and I never would have no I never noticed that before. Pat reads it one time for the first time years later, and he's like, "Look at this!" And um, <laughs> so I'll go uh, with a higher low, and it's it's a high uh, as as well. There's. <sighs> One of the reasons I enjoy reading these books is it makes me think of when I was reading these as a kid. And I remember, uh, let's see, what page is it? It's uh, content page five, and it is a picture of Shockwave transforming Mm -hmm. uh, and landing in front of Megatron. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, man, that is so cool. I just loved that artwork. And I looked at it, you know, as, you know, old guy me. And I looked at it and like, now I'm like, man, that is so cool. (laughs) I still (laughs) liked it. And I overall have enjoyed uh, how William Johnson had a take on the Transformers. He drew very clear and distinct robots. And I was entertained by his art the entire time. I was not, I mean, there, there were... Um, I think there was one glaring error where it looked like Megatron was the person buried under the rubble as opposed to Shockwave. I kind of noticed that, too, with the arm. Yeah. But overall, he did a fantastic job, and I did enjoy his artwork, and I particularly enjoyed that panel. I agree with you on that. I have enjoyed him throughout. I mean, there's a lot of coloring issues throughout, but that's something that's never going to go away. But besides that, it's especially compared to what had come before, I think that he as an artist kind of really helped maintain the popularity of this book because it really gets good from this point on. And it's kind of building off of this style. He's not the artist anymore after this. I really enjoy the art, his art, especially in this book. Cool. Let's go another round. Uh, Maggie, do you have a higher low? Yeah, since we're on the subject of the art, I'll kind of mirror what you did, Delvin. And I really enjoyed the artwork throughout the entire book in this. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I did have a panel that (laughs) stuck out for me. I think it's on page, it would be page 15 in the book. And it's the first panel. And it's Megatron sitting with his legs crossed and his chin on his fist. And he's just like brooding about... (laughs) How he never should have let Ratchet, like, or never should have believed that Ratchet could do what he <laughs> set out to do. That's great. He's like, I should have crushed that medical moron while I had the chance. <laughs> At least that would have been satisfying. I And I love the look on his face. It's, it was one of my favorite panels on the whole issue. Was this one of him just sulking? It's great. It reminds me of in the More Than Meets the Eye comic, the one where Ultra Magnus comes in just defeated and just slumps oh, down into yeah. the into the right. sofa in, in the most humid way ever it's a very for lack of a better term human moment it is and i love those moments especially when they're very comedic i think <laughs> well I, I think it brings more of that human trait that more characteristic that you like about these autobots mm-hmm. or the transformers mm-hmm. you know yeah they have gone out of their way to show that these are robots that have emotions and convictions 
So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they were doing these pouty poses back on Cybertron. And we just weren't privy to them. But it, it, it is funny to see Megatron like, oh, man, I should have just killed him. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Would that be called resting Decepticon face then? Yes. <laughs> RDF. RDF for sure. RDF. RDF. Okay. We'll have to hashtag that one. Yeah. It's like he's uh, waiting around. He's like, no, why would he call me back? Yeah. Like he'd be waiting by a phone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, though. Shockwave had to be doing this on purpose. It's Megatron, and he is guarding the Ark. Right. Megatron. <laughs> like, I mean, he could have been doing any number of things that would be more fitting to a Decepticon of his stature, of his power, and Shockwave had him just babysitting. Exactly. <laughs> Especially since Shockwave doesn't realize that there are Autobots that are still out there. He thinks he's giving him a completely useless errand. Yep. Oh, sure. Yeah. Wow. Shockwave's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is not a very nice guy. So, John, do you have a high, a high or a low? I've got another high. It's sort of the opposite of what we just said. I like the couple of reminders we get that even though they act like humans, that these are definitely machines where you get Slag's memories being able to be plugged into and played out on a monitor to the point that they would fool another Transformer. That by seeing those images, they can be used to make it look like these are actual images happening now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that comes that they come back to in IDW again. It's, mm -hmm. yep. it's called a Nemo surgery, where Chrome Dome is a Nemo surgeon who is able to use his specially designed hands to plug into other people and read their memories in this way. But in that, it's a special skill. They also do the Marb again in more than meets the eye and the one we just did ratchets on a marb as are the rest of them and there's snow and there's snow also i forgot i didn't mm -hmm. make that connection yeah when he's on the marb in the idw books the planet they're on is also snowy oh yeah ah. nice pat high or low it's a high you know i really enjoyed this story how it was all put together the different things going on with the you know gd blackrock also with Josie as well, that story. So I'm kind of interested in how she becomes Circuit Breaker uh, a little bit more. Did that stuff kind of fuse into her hand? This will become more clear uh, in the next issue. Okay. Yep. I'm doing my best not to tell me put any spoilers out there because uh -huh. Pat got upset at us the last time that happened. I sure did. I try to avoid Pat being upset. It does describe her as being a computer genius. Mm -hmm. It says she used her computer genius to design the rig that they took over and the aerospace plant and many other facilities. Yeah, she was way important to Tony Stark. I mean, GB Blackrock <laughs> established before that she built all of his gizmos that made him his, his millions. Tony Stark is far more attractive than GB Blackrock. <laughs> I'm sure Tony would think that, too. So I will actually I'll go with a high. But I'm caveating because I have a a low to mention, but I'm going to say a high first. The high is the cliffhanger of Josie herself. We're already talking about her, and it's been set up pretty pretty good. She has every right to be upset with the Transformers. They completely ruined her life and her livelihood and a company that she seemed fiercely loyal to. It ruined all of those things. 
So it looks like whatever the heck that Joe C has planned, it's not going to be pretty for, I'm not sure, maybe the Transformers, maybe the Autobots, maybe Decepticons. Maybe she doesn't care. Who knows? That was a very good cliffhanger to leave things on, I thought. They've been really good with the cliffhangers throughout this from go. Pretty much every issue ends in a cliffhanger, except for five, which just has them sitting down and pouting. But we kind of figured out why that was. But they've been doing pretty well with the cliffhangers. Yeah, I agree. They've kept the action uh, lively and kept uh, anyone uh, that was wanting to read it wanting more. And that's what you would want in a comic, especially one where you're trying to generate interest. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say since the first four issues, I have been more interested now, you know, in five, six, seven, and eight. When, right, when we get into the, you know, the more original kind of storyline going on now. Yeah, and they kind of stick in four-issue chunks for a little while. They have their story arcs that wrap up, but then plot points continue along the lines here. We have the Josie moving us into the next one, but this ends the Ratchet Megatron bit, and it's a great story arc for Ratchet that culminates really well. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about it, too, is you don't have a lot of other Autobot or other Transformer characters. It's kind of really kind of shrunken down to the Dinobots. And they play a part, but the, the main person is Ratchet and Megatron, really, in this one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Cool. Does anyone else have anything that they want to talk about with the book? No, I was going to mention, and it is along the lines of a low. While I was really happy to see the Dinobots, I was disappointed because I just don't think that Megatron could beat all five Dinobots at once. I understand that he is on a super uber power level. And I get that. But, I mean, they're all five Dinobots right. against one Megatron? I, plus, he got he got the crap kicked out of him two issues days ago. ago. Yeah. But, and it's only been days. It's only been days. In the beginning of this, it refers to the events of the last 24, 24 hours. hours. It's only been one day since Ratchet found Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. Everything else has happened in 24 hours. He so Megatron's done. been beat up. Yeah, fixed himself, confronted Ratchet, and then beat up Dinobots. That man can heal. I think part of the point was probably because they wanted Ratchet to get the win. They wanted Ratchet to, to get the, the yeah. win of the day. Oh, yeah. And and that's fine. That's understandable. And I appreciate that because I, I love Ratchet as, as a character. And I thought, particularly in this issue, he was phenomenal. But it would have been nice if the Dinobots could have at least, like, dented Megatron. <laughs> done something. <laughs> I agree. It seemed like a narrative waste to have to show them in their two fights, first getting wiped out by Shockwave and then yeah. getting wiped out by, by Megatron. Megatron. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, Go maybe, ahead, his, uh, maybe his mopey chair, you know, build up <laughs> power that's, in his mope mode. Himself in. <laughs> mm, just taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I'll tilt at my uh, less than the eye here. It's going to be five of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where this is going. So, yeah, let's let's say I agree with you on that, Maggie, where the Dinobots certainly could have had a better debut (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they got their tails whooped twice. (laughs) Twice. Yeah. I got two little things that are technically bads, but not really. The arc in this one, or in the story from the past, reads the dinosaurs as alive. 
even though they're organic. But the shtick from the first issue was that they couldn't, re- they are couldn't read organic things as alive. That's why they turned into cars. Mm-hmm. Good point. I know Prize it personally just by saying that they were big enough and moving that it became, and the way that they were moving made it obvious that they were alive. And the other reason why they didn't notice humans was because we're too small. I would say it too that what four billion or million years later, maybe that the arc wasn't working as good as it used to. Yeah, that's true. When Absolutely. It first crashed because it's what right right after it crashes that the arc goes out and look right because shockwave shows up immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, a little bit of both maybe. Yeah, there we go. No, wait a second. So why doesn't shockwave have an Earth alt mode? Because he was never converted by the arc. Um, that he went right to the Savage Land. Dinobots came. He was. Oh, buried. that's right, because he came later. Yeah, under yeah. his own space gun propulsion. That's what he does. Okay. Yeah, he kind of laid back and waited for Megatron to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Then he came and tried to. But he chilled. Yeah. <laughs> he could have pulled a ramp up, but he chilled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And- and the other one, which is the, which is not really a bad, but I, I love it, is that Slag apparently takes to being a Dinobot really quickly because he's just been made into a dinosaur alt modes, and apparently they've gone and now they're Dinobots. One of the first oh. things he says to Ratchet, "Well, why didn't you say so? We Dinobots never finish a thing we don't start. What do you? How do you? You've only done one thing, and you did finish years. that without without stopping because you yeah. were unconscious for four million years." <laughs> You're not very good at this slag. You're like, well, well, other than that. <laughs> are they like more of like an elite force or like a group of, you know, when you need somebody to help you, mm-hmm. you call the Dinobots? <laughs> sort of. So I always read them. I have a feeling they'll show up again and it'll become a little more developed what their whole shtick is. Okay. I'm hoping that the next time that we see them in combat, like maybe by issue 27 or so, they'll give a much better accounting of themselves. I kind of wish they combined. I always think that that's kind of like a, a missed opportunity that the Dinobots don't combine into one massive hardcore Dinobot. There is a, unstoppable. There's a thing, but I don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Someone in the comments will mention that there's mm-hmm. a it I remember doesn't now. happen in the comics, so it isn't worth talking about. But the Dinobots, at one point somewhere, uh, were combined. What? That's yeah, really dumb. Don't. Okay, yeah. I won't ask about it. I will uh, move it on to Pat. Then, Pat, do you have anything else that you want to bring up about this issue? No, I think we covered it. Okay, I have one thing, and it actually it went off like I don't know, flash of light. I kind of felt like. Uh, the cop at the end of the usual suspects with the slow motion coffee <laughs> <laughs> dropping. So Ratchet has this heroic moment, right? Yeah. He plows into Megatron and Megatron laughs him off, but then like the rubble breaks and Megatron falls. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he fly away? Megatron can't fly. Megatron can fly. When has he flown? Megatron can fly. <laughs> When has he flown in the <laughs> comics? What? He doesn't fly. He he. The only time we've seen it, he transforms into a gun and jumps onto Starscream. That's the only time we've seen him transport. He does not fly under his own power. Yeah. Megatron can't fly as a robot. Nope. Not okay. The so Shockwave can fly. How come yeah. he didn't fly away when the Dinobots crumbled the mountain around him? Well, <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha! <laughs> Check in, mate, I guess. 
<laughs> I, I I just the first one I saw was Megatron, and I'm like. Maybe I'm confusing the cartoon with the comic book because he flew all the time in the, yeah, in the are, cartoon. Yeah, they the cartoon. But in this, only if only the jets can fly. Okay. You have to remember, Delvin. This is more than meets the eye. Wait a minute. The, only the jets and shockwave. Right. Right. You see the cartoon. That's a cartoon. This is real life. Oh, oh! I get confused. I'm. So, I'm. This is why you're here, John. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. But. The shockwave one was kind of a glaring error where shockwave could have just flown away. And he didn't. He just. It's a good point. I didn't think of that. The only thing I could possibly know, Plaris, that is it was mentioned that it was Earth's magnetic field had screwed him up and landed him there. So maybe he was still having problems reorienting and couldn't. Oh, well, I have a retort to that. (laughs) (laughs) Three hours later. Well. (laughs) <laughs> It'd be like that beam from uh, American Chopper where they're throwing the chair and yelling at each other. Yes, yes. I'm sure someone could come up with that meme of, of us in, in this discussion somehow. <laughs> but anything else from anyone before I move on? One more quick thing and then we're done. I just really like Ratchet throughout this. I like how his whole story arc and I like how the little subtle touch of Ratchet getting better at figuring out how Earth life works. He's gone from talking to a traffic light to try to get it to change and here, no, no, that's not alive. Only organic things are alive. Oh, okay, organic things. Then he sees a snake. Sorry, Mr. Snake, could you please he's he's trying. He's working his way through it. That was just (laughs) a neat little touch. Cool. And just for anyone else, anyone else have anything? Nope. Now it's time for us to talk about who had the touch. When we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or Human? You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah! So I'll go first. I mean, is there another choice here, right? Let, let's let's go with Ratchet. You know, three cheers for the medic who did exactly what Optimus Prime asked him to do, and he saved the day. He came up with a very smart plan of rerunning that footage of what went on in Slag's brain and made in full Megatron, one of the mightiest Decepticon warriors, probably the mightiest uh, up until this point. And then had a good ambush waiting and everything. And then when the ambush didn't pan out, he went ahead and kicked butt himself and did what he had to do. So, Ratchet, to me, sir, you have the touch. Maggie, what do you think? Well, I'm not going to be making any original choices here. For the touch, for me, definitely Ratchet. He shown in this particular issue. It was great to see him be so effective and to be so clever with having the Dinobots somehow travel from Antarctica to Oregon really, really, really quickly. But hey, that's okay. Speed of plot. I buy it. And then wait in the snow and then jump Megatron right when he's at his most arrogant. I thought the whole thing was great. So Ratchet gets the <laughs> the touch for me too. Ooh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you gotta be careful how you phrase that. <laughs> so John? Ratchet. Uh, pretty easily uh, with honorable mention for shockwave he has a pretty good day too takes out the entire military guard of the aerospace plant without any effort whatsoever mocking gb blackrock the entire time going in to start his nefarious plan which we will see more of in the next uh, couple issues i think 
but Ratchet is just amazing for all of this. He he rolled a lot of twenties. Awesome, Pat. I'm gonna go with Ratchet as well too. It's it's this was his little mini series here that you can character building him, watching him become you know I don't want to say one of the weaker into one of the strongest, but by the strongest, not physical but mental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three cheers for Ratchet. Looks like Ratchet got the touch all around from everyone. I just wanted to make sure that phrasing was as awkward as possible. (laughs) (laughs) We have talked about the touch. Then someone had to be out of touch in the segment called Let's Meet CI, where we talk about the character that was the worst in the book, and they should fall hundreds of feet into snow and or a sticky tar pit. John, who was less than meets the eye to you? I'm going to do something that I'm sure no one else is going to do and give it to all of the Dinobots. <laughs> because mm-hmm. come on, Mr. All right, let's go make sure he's, he's defeated for good. How exactly? You haven't done a thing right yet. You'd probably go down there and fall over and then fall and sink in the snow and do nothing. You guys are terrible. That's harsh. Well, I was mad. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. As a kid, I really hated this. I was so looking forward to the Dinobots. I knew what their card stats were. I know that Grimlar's got a strength of 10. He goes down like a chump. (laughs) Someone's been holding something in for a long time. Yeah, that sounds pretty better. (laughs) So, uh, let's see. What I feel. Yeah, you you know what? Vent and air what you feel, John. This is the place for it. And I'm with you. I, I am with Team Dinobot, like all of them. So in two battles, uh, five Dinobots, that is 10 L's. For, <laughs> that, that is loss multiplication right there because they got their butts whooped. And by like one person, too. And it was like, man, like all of a sudden, they, they went chomping down on Shockwave and then Shockwave just kind of like shrugged his shoulders and they all went, ah, it, Bad showing by the Dinobots. They should have probably have gotten a little bit more in their debut rather than just being Fall Guys for shock, both Shockwave and Megatron. But yet, here we are. Pat, who do you think? Well, as much as I'd like to do the Dinobots, I think you guys have covered that pretty well. I'm going to go with Megatron. Good other choice. <laughs> I think, you know, he had his mopey time. It's like, oh, I'm sad, Megatron. Then he gets somewhat beat up, you know, at least. They eventually kind of defeat him a little bit and he turns into, I'm doing my little gun and I'm falling into the snow. <laughs> I, I like that that was a plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can only do one thing at this point. Yeah, I'm going to shrink and transform <laughs> and hope for the best. Even though he can fly. <laughs> We've already established that these things don't make sense. If he would, even if he could fold up that much, his mass wouldn't go away. So it wouldn't make any difference. He would just go further down. Yeah, let's keep going. Maggie. I'm going to give it to O for not even bothering to show up in this issue. Freaking O. <laughs> not even being a... No, actually, I, I'm going to stick with um, the bandwagon and, and pick the Dinobots. Especially if it's their debut issue and you put them at least three of them on the cover then i think they should have been given if not more to do necessarily but i think they should have been more effective then 
And that was kind of a big letdown. Not as bitter as John might be, but I am a big fan of the Dinobots. <laughs> it is kind of a letdown that in their very first appearance, they don't really do much. I just, I, I thought that they could have done a lot more as dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be is deceiving is you're going to think that the Dinobots are here to save the day. But in reality, mm-hmm. it was Ratchet. Mm-hmm. Oh, obviously. I thought that's what they're going for, but it would have been nice to actually see him get a couple shots in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly would want a rematch, not even between all the Dinobots. I would love to just see Grimlock go against either uh, Megatron or Shockwave solo because I agree with I agree with John. Grimlock is formidable and he is not to be trifled with and they hinted all the time that he could go toe-to-toe with Optimus Prime, particularly uh, in his T-Rex mode. Mm. Even so those short hands? Even with the short hands, he has that tough grip. And once you get in the grip, no one escapes. That's why they call him Grimlock. Mm. So, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see a rematch, and maybe we get to see that one of these days. Now's the time for overall ratings for the book. We do one to 10. 10 is high. One is low. We've discussed this already, so I won't bring it up again. But I do want to hear some numbers. Maggie, what's yours? I think for the overall issue, I'm going to give it high marks. I'm going to give it a nine. I am disappointed about the Dinobots, but I really liked everything about the issue pretty much otherwise. I really liked the art throughout. I liked the writing. I thought it was a really good, solid issue. So I feel pretty happy giving giving it a nine. Hey, well, that's awesome. Pat, what do you think? I'm going to give this an eight. I enjoyed it. I liked the story that's going on. But again, I was thinking Dinobots were going to, you know, prevail here and little let down, but in a nice way. I think it was good to see Ratchet perform. Ratchet did have his day. Yeah. John. A nine from me. I was disappointed with the Dinobots, obviously, but that's just a personal choice. The quality of the issue is still solid even with all of that it was ratchet's story it was ratchet's fight to win and it was great i love the art i love the pacing of the story i love the culmination of of all of the plot points i like how it's moving forward with the next one and giving it a sense of continuity and closure at the same time it's a very effective comic book so nine it is awesome you know i thought i had my big moment of revealing and tearing down the comic book with Megatron not being able to fly. <laughs> I, I, I want to start a hashtag so badly <laughs> on Twitter. Megatron can fly. Hashtag Megatron can fly. But absent of that, it was a very good story. And Ratchet had a very tough time. And he came out on top using all of the tools that were available to him. And that was that's a very good story. You want to see your hero overcome insurmountable odds. That is something you want to see in a movie. That's something that you want to see reading a book. And that's something that you want to see in a comic book. I will revise my score and I'll give it I'll give it an eight. Eight. It was it was a very good story and it was a very satisfying conclusion. Uh, And I enjoyed it. And it looks like all of us did as well. We can and will never leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer that is featured in today's issue. All yours, John. All right. Thanks, Dovin. Today, we're talking about Slag, also known as Slug, but more on that in a bit. 
And just so I don't forget, like I did last time, I will start by thanking tfwiki.org and tfu.info for uh, where I was able to gather the following information. Here's what you'd find out if you bought his toy and looked at his card. His allegiance is Autobot, subgroup Dinobot, his function is Flamethrower. His motto is, I have no need for friends, even less for enemies. Here are his stats, as we remember on a scale of 1 to 10, and Slag's pretty uh, formidable himself. His strength is a 9, his intelligence is a 4, his speed is a 3, his endurance is a 9, his rank is a 4, his courage is 7, his firepower is 8, and his skill is 7. Slag enjoys melting enemies into pools of liquid metal. Like his fellow Dinobots, resents authority. Disruptive, often brawls with comrades. Shoots 3,000 degree centigrade flame up to 80 feet from mouth. Let me say that again. He shoots a 3,000 degree centigrade flame up to 80 feet from his mouth. And he looks like a triceratops. Slag is awesome. (laughs) That's hot. (laughs) Oh, man. Enormous strength can shatter a brick building with his head. Uses Electron Blaster in Dinobot mode. Rash, not too bright. Nasty, mean-spirited. Often the other Autobots won't help when he's in trouble. Slags and all of the Dinobots' toys were awesome. I did not have Slag, but I had a Swoop and a Grimlock, and they were great. Combination of plastic and die-cast metal. They looked so neat. They were shiny. They all had so much detail. They were great toys. And they were one of the first to come out in Wave 2, the Dinobots and the Insecticons. It gave you the idea that this uh, toy line was going to be a lot more detailed than we originally thought, and it was very exciting. And he turned into a metallic Triceratops with no shortage of accessories, coming with a gun, missile launcher, three missiles, and a sword for kids to lose. Slag's name comes from the metallic waste his fire breath turns his victims into. The word also has an unfortunate definition across the pond. Which sure is a does. Mild, yeah, it's a mild to medium swear word. <laughs> so in order to keep kids from giggling like their teacher was telling them about gaseous anomalies on Uranus, his name was changed Slug in recent years. Slag is a better name. It is. <laughs> Slughead. Slag, as I said, is a metal triceratops who breathes fire. It is hard to do better than that. In the cartoon, which plays more fast and loose with the character's ability, gives all of the Dinobots the ability to breathe fire, and that always bugged me because that's Slag's thing. He should, at the very least, be better at it than the rest of him, but he was kind of in the background just as another dinosaur that breathed fire. His um, personality in this issue seems to have been mixed up because Snarl acts like Sludge. Sludge is known as the the dumb one who makes rash decisions, whereas Snarl is the one who does that. And Slag has a really cantankerous personality and nobody likes him, but he seemed absolutely fine. And Snarl, according to his tech specs, is actually much more friendly. So there's a chance that Bob might have mixed up who was who in this, but we'll never know because after this, they don't do anything else except for hang out with Grimlock, who gets most of the personality work. And that is Slag. Back to you, Delvin. Well, thank you for that. And we shall move on to a promo break starting now. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hey, everybody. Clinton Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albright Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap. 
and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service. So I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. We now return to the Transformers. Boys and girls listening, we have a lot of likes, shares, and retweets. Thank you all so much. That is freaking amazing. We have, again, just humbled. Absolutely what Delvin said. And it's great, those of you who chat with us on Twitter, especially and on Facebook. We love to hear that. We love to see that people are enjoying and interacting here. Sweet. So with that, we are going to move on to social media, likes, shares, and retweets. These social media like shares and retweets are from uh, issue and episode seven of the Transformers. Aaron Head Moss. Aaron Henley. Articulated Toy Den. Austin Kikendall. Black Rocks Toy Box. Tony Star. I mean, Black Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Bradford William. Captain Marvel Shazam. Carlos Mauricio Montiel. Charles Atuck. Chris Lee Jack. Chris Stahl. Chris Zwerver. Chris at BTO and Backbooks. We're in a hurry. Let her roll. Not a highway. Let her roll. Roll, 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 roll. Clinton Robison. Coffee and Comics. Colin Toth. Comics in the Golden Age. Colin Stapleton. Darth Ron. Debeich. <laughs> Derek William Crab. And I met the jacket and it is beautiful. I love that jacket. I want to get one that has a Decepticon symbol so we can fight. Ooh, that'd be cool. Dustin Staub. Gene Hendricks. Green Lantern HG. Hi, Green Lantern. Hi there. Hal Jordan. H-O-C-O-F. Or Hokoff, Hosoff. Thanks for coming by. Ian Matiag. Wow, I would have tripped all over yeah. that. That's good. That is a stab in the dark. <laughs> but I know better than to comment on how to pronounce people's last names now. <laughs> I'm not get, doing that again. I think we're going to get to that in one second. Ian oh, Cooley. Yvonne <laughs> <laughs> Cooley. Yvonne Cooley. <laughs> Iowa's Joe Crawford. And Ivan Chudley or Cooley, whatever one you prefer. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ivan. <laughs> Speaking of names that are fun to say, Jared Albright, <laughs> the yard sale artist. Yep, Jared Albright, that's his name. Jeff Collier. Jim Peterson. Joe Thomas. John Morris. John Spurgeon. Hi, John. Hi, John. Carmen Hunt. Kazua Perez. Kelly Sherman Brown. Ken Solo. Khalid McBain. That's a cool name. And we got to meet Laurel Mountainflower One. She was at Heroes Con. Thanks for listening, Laurel. And uh, she was one that also mentioned how much she liked listening to the show. So thank you, Laurel. Yay! Lawrence Shelbourne. Mark Baker Wright. Mark Hain. McGool Yildell. Michael Bailey. Michael Meyer. Mike Brooks. Rad Adventures. Renee Hosford. Rick Heineken. Oregon. The Champagne of Beers. Rick Howard. Roly Bot. One two thousand. Ruth Sutherland. Ryan Daly. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Sean Ross. Simon Beecroft. Daryl Grigsby. TFU.info. 
Thanks, Anthony. The hammer strikes and random geeky stuff. Tom Beach. Unpacking the power of power pack. There ain't no power like the power pack power because the power pack power can't stop. Warlord Worlds. A weasel skull. I know that guy. Wolfman Cap. Xenozoic Xenophiles. Man, that is a lot of names. And if we happen to miss a few, we apologize. Uh, it's certainly a good problem to have, but we absolutely do not want to forget to recognize anyone. So if we did forget you, please just ping us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and we will correct it next issue. We'll move on to social media comments from Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, said, I'm pretty impressed. We actually got to the point where I was unclear how to pronounce my own name. <laughs> well, that's weird, Jared Albrecht. What would, why would anybody have give you any sort of problems with pronouncing your name, Jared Albrecht? I mean, that's your name, right? It's either that or the art sale artist or Death Probe. One of the two or three. He gets me back by giving me more and more nicknames by the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan Chudley says, okay, let me just start by saying that till all are Ivan Chudley is now my new motto. Thank you, Pat. Now I've not read this issue, sorry, but a great show nonetheless. So nice to hear Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Hello, Ivan. <laughs> With some nice truth bombs and Pat Delvin. Uh, Jonathan, as good as ever. The cover is okay, about a five for me. The issue sounds like a bit of filler and a fight with a sprinkling of things to come, but you all liked it and all have read it in the next issue before the next show. Okay, now my surname and have you been getting it wrong all this time? Well, you are. And then he told us, wasn't it on Twitter, though, actually? He tweeted you guys during the live stream? He tweeted us during the live stream that yeah. we, we had been pronouncing it correctly. It is indeed Ivan Chudley. It is. Mm-hmm. And uh, all, all is back to normal. So, till all are Ivan Chudley. Chudley. Till all are Ivan Chudley. Till all <laughs> Jared Albrecht's are coolies. Close enough. Maybe it's till all brick are Ivan Chudley. <laughs> i'm gonna pick one from christopher curry and christopher says i wish i could get some trade paperbacks of the marvel era it was its own unique continuity compared to the tv show as a kid i thought this was puzzling though buster instead of spike etc hmm. well christopher there's some good news there are several trade paperbacks of this idw is the company that currently holds the transformers license and they uh, reprint them the marvel ones it's definitely worth to get they especially um when comicsology has the sales on them you can get yeah. a pretty decent price mm-hmm. i will wrap up with a comment from mark baker wright who is at gb blackrock he <laughs> says what it's worth I think the unreasonable hatred of Buster stopped being funny a few episodes ago. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) Also, as a person who goes by the moniker of GB Blackrock online, see my blog, I humbly volunteer my services as guest just so I can clear my throat every time you try to call me Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... I think a good trade-off to uh, Mark, to uh, Mr. Stark, <clears throat> Mr. Blackrock, I- I'm not even sure which one at this point, is that we had no bad comments about Buster this entire episode. We did not, know. We were very proud of ourselves. It was very difficult. I mean, I mean never mind that Buster wasn't in the book. Yeah, Let's not parse details. <laughs> <laughs> there were no bad comments about Buster, so... Hopefully, I mean, we do what we can to please the fans. That's what that's what I'm saying. We should also mention uh, Rick Heineken said, "Y'all on my list." <laughs> <laughs> what what list is that? 
the list of people he wants to have on his great podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack? I was hoping that, you know, possibly my kiss was on this list. <laughs> your kiss is on the list because yes. your kiss. That's right. right. Because your kiss is on the list. <laughs> Okay, I think we are done with the social media comments and everything else. And I just wanted to once again pass along a very hearty uh, thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. We are humbled. We are appreciative. And thank you, everybody, for all the support. Yes. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we will discuss Transformers issue nine. And if you like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcasters to include Spotify at longboxcrusade.com. Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at Longbox Crusade. And we do a do-it live stream on YouTube once a month, every second Sunday at about 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, if you are so inclined. John, Maggie, why don't you tell us about your podcast, where you can be found out on the interwebs. In the Transformers vein, uh, Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order on the Rod Pod. And we also do Married with Comics, where we talk about pretty much everything else. Everything else, yeah. Right now, you can find both of those on the Married with Comics feed, although uh, Rod Pod is about to get its own dedicated feed. But more on that later. Uh, You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Just look for Married with Comics. On Twitter, you can talk to us individually. I am under at MWC for Married with Comics underscore podcast. I am at Maggie N. The Rain. Were you walking in the rain? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more Missy Elliott. It's how it's because of my middle name, and when I was a little kid, I used to call myself Maggie in the rain. Just kind of stuff. It's really cute. Mm -hmm. Now, we also have a Gmail, marriedwcomics at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Although John and I are getting pretty well practiced at the whole Twitter thing, so that's usually probably the better place to get in touch with us. What about you, Pat? Where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin? And I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. See you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one? Till all are one. Till all are Ivan Chudley. Absolutely. You got the touch. You got the power Yeah After all is said and done Never what you've never run your winner Got the moves You know the streets Break the rules Take the heat You're nobody's fool You're at your best When the going gets rough You've been put to the test But it's never enough You got the touch You got the touch
you got the power When all hell's breaking loose You'll be right in the eye of the storm You got the heart You got the motion You know that when things get too tough You got the touch all songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.